He's Pittsburgh born and we like him that way. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Cinderella boy. On 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. If I'm looking for reasons that the Penguins aren't going to win the Stanley Cup, I have to look pretty hard. Pretty far. Dig down deep. Because this team's damn good. Let's just play a little game of what could the lines be for a second here. Before I tell you just how far I had to dig. To tell you why the Penguins wouldn't win the Stanley Cup. Gensel, Crosby, Rust. Oh! Top line. Haglin, Malkin, Hornquist. Aston Reese, Broussard, Kessel. Rowney, Shan, Kuhnhockel. Now that's with me leaving Connor Sheary out because I think his ass needs to sit down for a game or two. He'll pull it back together. We've seen him be able to pull it together before. But I'm sitting him for the time being. But when they're totally healthy, when they've got their full complement of wingers in there, how's this sound? Gensel, Crosby, and Sherry. Sydney Kids, Haglin, Malkin, Hornquist, Kessel, Broussard, whoever you really want to put there, Aston Reese, perhaps. Then you put Rust on the fourth line with Sheehan and that Joris guy, whose name I doubt that I pronounced correctly at any point during the program. That's pretty damn good. And the Penguins' top four is excellent as well with. Olimata and Dumoulin and Chris Letang and Justin Schultz. I don't mind Alexiak either. I like what that guy brings to the table. His reach is insane. He can skate a lot better than a guy his size should be able to skate. He can be a quality offensive defenseman. Or I guess he's more of a stay-at-home defenseman as this league is constituted. He's a puck mover if you go back some ways. But he's a stay-at-home guy in today's NHL. You like what he brings to the table. So I don't mind the Penguins roster at all. In fact, I love it. But I did say I would tell you a reason why they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. And I'll give it to you right now. I had to dig deep. Had to look for a while. But here it is. It's not the starters that you have a problem with. It's not that lineup that I just told you about. It's not even Matt Hunwick being your sixth defenseman. No, you like everybody you got there, I think. And Hunwick will be fine. He'll be serviceable. He's been serviceable in the past. It's what happens when those guys get hurt. If Chris Letang goes down, last year you were able to plug some holes. And, yeah, it was a problem. They didn't play great defensively, but... This year, if Chris Letang goes down, I really start to worry. What if they lose two defensemen? It can happen. And if that's the case, then you really got a problem on the back end. That's the only way I could see them falter. That and, of course, injury. And you need luck to win a championship. Yada, yada, stinking yada. I know. And I meant injury to the big guns, because obviously those injuries on the back end of the defense are the reason that I think that they could falter. But barring that, this team's going to go far. Because Tampa, to me, is the stumbling block. Tampa, to me, is the team that can match them tit for tat. Tampa's that good.
Toronto's really good too. But other than the other team being just as good as Pittsburgh and it going seven games and the puck bouncing in whenever it should have bounced into their net, it bounces into your net. That's what scares me. The depth behind the sixth and seventh guys that the Penguins have on that defense court. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up in seventeen minutes, Jesse Marshall of the Athletic will join us to talk about all that she is and more. Here's the question though. How do you defend this Pittsburgh Penguins team? And I'm not asking hypothetically. I mean, seriously, how do you defend them? How do you defend the top three lines? The fourth line's going to expose you, too, if you put Brian Rust on it. If you go sit in the kids with your top line and you have Brian Rust on the fourth line with Riley Shane, they're going to expose your fourth line every day of the week, too. So they're going to roll four lines. What do you do? Tampa's deep enough with their defense core that they can start matching, right? But a defense pairing's not going to shut down these lines. You need good forwards who are going to play defense. You need to possess the puck in the Penguins' zone because the Penguins are maintaining control of the puck. They're going to F you right in the A. How do you stop them? Do you deploy your number one defense pair against Sid and the Kids or Gensel, Crosby, and Rust? Probably. All right, so then what? Your second defense pair and your best forward line goes up against Malkin and Haglin and Hornquist? Okay. Then what's left? When the Penguins are at home in the playoffs, they're going to score a bleep ton of goals. Now, they got to keep them out of their own net, but if they're possessing the puck as much as I think they're going to possess it, how the bleep do you stop them? That's why Tampa scares me more than anybody. That's why Tampa terrifies me as the only team who can really get it done because they got Tyler Johnson on a different line than they've got Nikita Kucherov. And they've got Nikita Kucherov on a different line than they've got Steven Stamkos. And they've got JT Miller now. You plug him in and play. That team has three legitimate stars that drive their offensive lines. Now, they're not as good as Pittsburgh's. Crosby's better than Sam Coast. Kucherov's having a hell of a year, but is he playing better hockey right now than Evgeny Malkin? Right now, as we sit, is he playing better hockey than Malkin? F no, because no one is. They scare you, but even them, you could try to talk yourself out of it, right? As I'm trying to do right now. How do you defend the Penguins? I can't wait to watch tomorrow night's game. I cannot wait. And you hope that Phil Kessel's healthy. He got banged up at the end of the last game. Didn't practice today. I would be willing to bet he's fine. They said it was a maintenance day. They didn't say he's day-to-day, any of that garbage. So I think he'll play. And if he does, I can't wait to see that line, the chemistry that he can form with Broussard. Broussard's a son of a bitch. He's just tough to play against, and he scores goals, and he plays in the playoffs, and he could be your quarterback on your second power play unit. I haven't even factored in special teams. Penguins' penalty kill's been great. Penguins' power play's been historically good. Five-on-five, they've had their struggles this year, but they've scored more five-on-five goals than anybody since the start of this year. We're going on two months now, not a small sample size, and with the talent, you believe in that. How do you slow them down? I'm asking. 412-922-2874. How do you keep the puck out of the net against these Penguins? You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. That old line. But uh, you try to shoot their plane down? 
You trying to throw Sidney Crosby down the stairs? Go all Tanya Harding? Take someone's knee out? Maybe. Dubinsky? It does happen that way. We all know what happened with Graves and Lemieux back in the day. We all know what happened last year with Sidney Crosby and Matt Niskanen. And every year that Sidney Crosby played in the playoffs, his head gets used as a damn pinata. Maybe that's all you can do. But I'll tell you what, if they had Ryan Reeves, he wouldn't stop that. He wouldn't. Ryan Reeves not being here is good for the Penguins. But I see the only way of stopping Pittsburgh, hurting them, breaking them, wearing them down. But I think the Penguins are a lot more likely to wear you down than you wear them down because they're going to play so much in the offensive zone. You remember when Ray Shiro was on the way out and there was this conversation about hard to play against. You want to be hard to play against. That became the new buzz term in hockey. Hard to play against, hard to play against, hard to play against. And the way that it was used was you want grit players who are going to play 200 feet and make it hard on the opposition. Every inch of ice is going to be a bitch to fight for. But these Penguins, they can be hard to play against because you've got to defend for 60 damn minutes. Hell, last year they proved it. Last year the Penguins didn't dominate. Last year the Penguins merely survived to win the Stanley Cup. Two years ago they dominated. Last year, though, you make one mistake, that puck's in the back of your net. And that's such a bitch to play against. That's being difficult to play against. Okay, it's been 40 seconds of Crosby and Gensel and Rust. We're good now. Oh, okay, you know who's hopping over the boards? Malkin, who's hotter than anyone on the planet right now. Haglin and Hornquist. you got to skate with Haglin. you got to deal with Hornquist punching the testicles in front of the net. Then you've got Kessel and Broussard and Aston Reese. And they're going to be punching you in the testicles. And then Kessel and Broussard are going to be working their magic. Then you've got... Shayan and Shiri and Joris and okay, maybe get a little break there. But if you put Sherry on the top line to try to recreate the chemistry with Sid and the kids, you put Rust on that fourth line, you don't get a break. Because that son of a bitch can skate. And Shane's a good distributor. This team will wear you down. How do you defend them? That's the question. I don't have an answer other than break Sidney Crosby's neck. Should I knock on? I should probably knock on wood. God forbid. I don't have an answer. I think the only way you can legitimately beat them is by trying to beat them at their own game. It, there's been talk about whether or not you can try to have a contrasting style with Pittsburgh and slow them down. And I guess Ottawa had some success last year in that regard. A lot of that had to do with goaltending, though. And this is a different Penguins team. But I don't think that's the way you do it. I think the way you do it is you've got a scoring line that can match Pittsburgh's scoring line, and your hope is that Pittsburgh has to defend. I think that's the best chance you have. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I also want an answer to this question, and we might get into this a little bit more tomorrow when we have more time. Vince Cominell is going to join me for an hour and a half. I'll be live outside the PPG Paints Arena at the Terrace on 5th. 
What's the best part of this deal that the Penguins got? The best part of the Broussard trade. And you can't say getting Broussard, because obviously that's the best part. Is it giving up Reeves so that he's not, he being Mike Sullivan, tempted to put him in the lineup? Is it the fact that Vegas took 40% of the damn payday for Broussard for Ryan Reeves? And now you had the opportunity to sign Patrick Hornquist? What a freaking deal. Jim Rutherford's a mastermind. Yeah, you lose Ian Cole, but he had been a healthy scratch a bunch. Yeah, you lose Ryan Reeves from your NHL roster, but he's Ryan Reeves. God bless the guy. People love him. Good dude. You don't have to trade Daniel Sprong. You give up a player from a position of strength in Gustafson, whose name I'm never going to have to learn to pronounce correctly, which is great. Sprung is easy. It's like sprung, but with an O. It was an absolute fleecing. Yeah, they give up a first-round pick, but it's going to be a late one. going to be a late first-round pick. That much I guarantee. What's the best part of the trade? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I mentioned earlier that I heard Stan asking whether or not the Penguins gave up too much in that deal, and that's something that Pirates fans talk about. That's not something that Penguins fans should. I know that Bruins fans are aghast right now that they gave up so much for Rick Nash, and okay, they did give up a lot, but Boston believes that's their guy. Boston believes he's got playoff ability. They believe he's been there before. He's been a 40 goal scorer in this league. He's a first round pick. He's a first overall pick. He's got pedigree. They believe that he's their guy. Boston does. Peter Trelli. He believes this is our guy. And when you believe that and you think that that's the guy that gets you over the hump, whether or not he is, you go out and you get him. Now, I don't happen to think Nash is that good anymore. He's not. But for Pittsburgh, the guy that they got is that good. So I don't care so much what you give up as long as you get your man. And that's what Jim Rutherford always does. Jim Rutherford doesn't lose trades. He got Patrick Hornquist. He loves him so much, he's just signing him to a five-year extension tomorrow. And in that deal, he we all thought maybe they gave up the better player. Well, it worked out pretty good for Pittsburgh because they got Hornquist and they flipped Spalling. For Phil Kessel. Ben Lovejoy trade was one that we all kind of said, eh, what the hell? That worked out okay. Jim Rutherford gets his man, and when you're a team trying to win now, go get your damn man. They did, and they're going to make another playoff run because of it. Here's one note before we get to Jesse Marshall of The Athletic here on The Crowley Show. Penguins were called goaltender Casey DeSmith from Wilkes-Barre. When I saw that at first, much like Mackey, I thought, oh, crap. Because Matt Murray left practice early today. He's going to be banged up for a little while. Nope. Tristan Jari was sent down, along with Dominic Simone. Casey DeSmith comes up. Jari hadn't been that good lately. Particularly the last game against Florida. Yikes. Coming up next, Jesse Marshall breaks down everything in the Eastern Conference and... What the Penguins are going to do with Broussard, you're listening to The Crowley Show. The 
Adam Crowley Show. I've never felt so alive until now. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't bring this up earlier. Ottawa traded center Nick Shore to Calgary for Calgary's seventh-round pick in the 2019 NHL draft. Calgary winning the cup. Real talk, though, Winnipeg really stinking good in the Western Conference. And I do think that despite picking up Ryan Reeves, that Vegas actually got better, too, bringing in Thomas Tatar. Now, did they overpay? Oh, for the love of God, yeah. A first, a second, and a third for Tatar? Holy bleep! Nashville's good, too. But Winnipeg, they added... Stastny, who is, I think, somewhat comparable to Broussard. They're deep at forward, like Pittsburgh's deep. They've got some damn talent with Shifley and with Line. Holy crap. So I think this year it's going to be harder for the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup. But what about the Eastern Conference? What about the Penguins overall? How about that Broussard move? Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins me now on the program. And Jesse, how about that Broussard move? Uh, the ability for them to roll three first lines. Pretty good. That's a short pretty answer. Good, pretty good move. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I mean, you look at Derek Broussard's body of work, and let's acknowledge, too, that certainly his numbers are down a little bit this year. I think that's more symptomatic of how bad Ottawa's been. Talked about it on The Athletic this week, Adam. Ottawa ranks in the bottom five of the league in every major offensive sort of advanced metric that we can look at. So it was basically um, a horrible situation for him, and he's still on pace for 56 points. So you bring him over to Pittsburgh. You play him with Phil Kessel. Uh, you can imagine that he's going to crack that 56 mark on that line, maybe even push you with a good run, you know, upwards, you know, hopefully towards 70 uh, or at least 65. So um, right now the, the, the Penguins have gotten back at them to the, the formula that won them two Stanley Cups. Uh, they have three first lines, and their fourth line has is, is, is gotten a lot better as a result of the Broussard trade. So uh, pick your poison now if you're another coach. How are you going to line up against these guys? I talked a little bit earlier on in the show, Jesse, about the Penguins' four lines that they can run out there, and I find myself wanting to see Sid and the kids reunited just so that Brian Rust is on the Penguins' fourth line. Which which he has proven, and this is the great thing about Brian Rust, Adam, is he has proven that you he can produce when you put him with talented players, but he can drive production by himself with players that are not as talented as he is. That is the reason why that is a good idea right there. Uh, you put Russ down there, you get more juice out of him now. And especially when you're playing him alongside Riley Shane. And whether or not the other guy involved is Zach Aston Reese or Josh Joris, who they just picked up today, or Carter Rowney, whoever you want to put down there, you've now got options. So I actually agree with you. I, I think in the spirit of making the Penguins more competitive and, and getting back to that four-line mentality, uh, Russ and Shane is a really good place to start. I mean, you think about how many teams would love to have those two guys on their fourth line. Nuts. Jesse Marshall, the athletic, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, back to Broussard. What's his skill set? Uh, I know he's not a penalty killer. Uh, I know he hasn't been utilized, I should say, on the penalty kill. Uh, what will he do that will mesh with Kessel's game? So on. Yeah, well, let's. So you mentioned the penalty kill. Let's start there, Adam. He's not going to play on the penalty kill. He's going to man the second power play. In fact, I would expect Eric Broussard to captain 
in power play unit. And that's something he's been very, very good at. Uh, his one-timer is sneaky deceptive on that power play, and he has a knack for finding those open areas of the ice. And, and I think at a five-on-five, even strength perspective, he's not Carl Hagelin fast. Right? So he's not a guy that's going to turn on the Jets and just blow by everybody. But he can get from point A to point B in a hurry. So that fits in with what the Penguins want to do. He's a 200-foot center in the sense that uh, he is really good at, put, at turning defense into offense. And when you think about the Penguins' philosophy, that is exactly what they do. Uh, they forecheck so hard at him that they generate a ton of momentum in the offensive zone, forechecking, that they can then carry through the neutral zone with them and into the back check in the defensive zone. Uh, that is Derek Broussard's game. Uh, he's, he's a lockdown center in his defensive end that can turn the puck over and head off to the races the other way. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that puck distribution, um, you know, I don't know he's otherworldly in that category, but he can distribute the puck effectively. I think there's one criticism you make of his game offensively. He could probably shoot a little bit more. Uh, but playing alongside a guy like Phil Kessel is certainly going to create opportunities for him to do that. He seems to turn his game up in the playoffs, too, uh, Jesse, which is something that you absolutely want to see. I know that a lot of that has to do with luck. Uh, Rick Nash is always kind of underwhelmed in terms of production in the playoffs, but there were times when the Rangers and the Penguins were playing that I thought, oh my God, every time he was on the ice, he was creating opportunities. Um, Broussard, though, uh, fluke, or is this guy just one of those quote-unquote playoff gamer type guys? You know, the environment changes in the playoffs, right, Adam? I mean, it's, 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 it becomes a, a tighter checking game. Uh, the intensity gets rationed up a little bit. I think that fits what he does. The Penguins right now, if you go back five years and you look at the top four point scorers in the NHL postseason, uh, Derek Broussard is the only, was the only non-Penguin on that list, uh, along with Phil Kessel, Guinea Malkin, and Sidney Crosby. So now the Penguins are going into a postseason having the uh, uh, top four uh, uh, postseason point scorers of the last five years. Uh, and I think that, that, again, that's just a testament to what Broussard does. And that's, that's the kind of game he plays and the type of, of, of game you play in the playoffs is extremely suited for his skill set. Jesse, uh, Jim Rutherford just said that the Penguins are going to sign Hornquist to an extension. And uh, the terms that are being reported right now by Jason Mackey are for five years and $5.3 million dollars. Uh, I love the $5.3 million number. Uh, I thought he would be upwards around six. Uh, I love the fact that the Penguins are keeping this guy around, and because of the way that this deal was completed with Broussard, it gave the Penguins an opportunity then to sign Hornquist, did it not? Yeah, thanks, Vegas. Uh, if you were upset about Marc-Andre Fleury uh, getting lost in the expansion draft of the Vegas Golden Knights, you can write them a thank you letter because uh, they are the reason the Penguins would be able to, to keep Patrick Hornquist. You know, what I'm concerned about with that contract, Adam, is the term. Yes. Um, that's a long time for a player of, uh, of Hornquist's ilk, but at the same token, he seems to defy all laws of aging. Uh, so perhaps there's something to be said for that. Uh, I don't, I don't know that we've seen his game fall off a cliff. Um, you know, that's, I think in my experience, Adam, that's typically how it happens though for players that elk. I, I, you probably saw it a little bit with Chris Kunitz last season, right? Where there was just something missing. Uh, and there was an element of his game that wasn't there anymore. That's probably how it'll happen with, with, uh, Patrick Hornquist. But the Penguins, you know, they, they wrote the contract for Kunitz out. I don't think they were any worse for it. And with the cap going up, um, you know, you hope it continues to, and you hope that uh, that Hornquist contract doesn't uh, doesn't come back to bite you in year four or five. Is Josh Joris a guy who's going to play a lot? You think, in your opinion, uh, only if there's an injury issue. And I think that what that comes down to is he's another center, first of all, 
so in the event that you lost one of your starting four, you could probably slot him into the fourth line spot before you would Carter Rowney. I think that they wouldn't have made that move today if they were 100% sure on Rowney's body of work, et cetera. So right now he's been assigned to Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Um, I think that you'll see him come up in the event of an injury, but he could also fill in on the wing if needed. Uh, so if you needed a guy for the bottom pairing, uh, that's that fourth line wing position, he could also give you a little, a little look there as well. But he's, just, he's a big guy, plays a high-energy, up-tempo game, fits in nicely with what the Penguins do, decent skill set. I don't think he's as good as Carter Rowney is defensively, but what he can provide you on the other end I think is a little bit more significant overall. Um, I think if you look at his again, looking at it from a metrics perspective, he drives shot opportunities and scoring chance opportunities a little bit better than Carter Rowney does, and I think that's probably uh, the idea behind it is we've got one guy that can, can take care of one end of the rink and another guy that can take care of another, so it's good to have options uh, given how injuries generally run in the postseason. Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jesse, the Penguins' bottom defense pair did not play well the other night. Matt Hunwick, of course, the guy who's getting crucified right now. He is already going to be the scapegoat if the Penguins are eliminated from the playoffs, even if Chad Ruedel's the guy who's on the ice. So let me ask you, how big of an issue is that Penguins' bottom defense pair? Uh, I don't know. I- I'm saying indeterminate on that, Adam, because I want to see how Matt Hunwick plays and a 5-10 to ten game stretch on the left side. We haven't seen him there all year. Yeah. We saw him there um, in the Florida game. So I take that back because he did play on the left side in the Florida game. Uh, but we haven't seen him play a whole season on the left side yet. And that's where he's most comfortable. Uh, he wasn't playing there earlier. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, he, he came out against Carolina Adam in his best game of his, of, his, of his tenure in Pittsburgh. That Carolina game, he was absolutely fantastic against, alongside Jamie Alexiak. Uh, the next night in Florida is a total disaster. So, you know, I know that it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, but let's not – I'm not ready to write the Pittsburgh Penguins off because of, of, of Matt Hunwick's bad game against, uh, against the Florida Panthers. I mean, I, I want to see how he does longer term on that left side. I still think he's better than Ron Hainsey was last year. I think Ron Hainsey yes. really struggled, and the Penguins won the Stanley Cup with him getting some pretty significant minutes. So um, we know right now – that, Matt, that Chad Ruedel has performed in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Penguins in a sixth spot admirably, admirably well. If it was a situation we had not seen Chad Ruedel at all last season in that kind of structure, I would be a little bit worried. But, if, you know, at the end of the day, it's that sixth spot, Adam. There's ways you can go about babysitting that pairing uh, to make sure that they don't get exposed. Uh, that's what they did with Justin Schultz two years ago before he really refound his game. Uh, so right now I'm, I'm, I'm not losing my mind over it. I, I think it's definitely an area of concern, but we just have to track how it goes over the next couple of weeks. Tampa Bay made some moves. Uh, everyone knows that already. Uh, Ryan McDonough now comes in uh, to play defense for Tampa. They get JT Miller, Vladislav Nemesnikov goes out in that deal. Now he's having a better year than JT Miller, certainly. Yeah, uh, He's a really good player. So they do swap those guys uh, in terms of, a talent for talent there. Uh, how good is Tampa, and how do they match up with the Penguins, in your opinion, Jesse? Uh, well, it's the old, uh, you know, league's arguably the league's deepest defense against arguably the league's deepest deepest offense. Um, it's the old tried and true, um, you know, which 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 is better to have in the Stanley Cup playoffs: a good defense or a good offense? 
Um, Penguins over the last few years, Adam, have said offense matters more. <laughs> they can they can come in waves. Uh, you know, all, like we said, all four lines right now are, are uh, very lethal. So you made a good point. I mean, the Mexicans had a great year. He's also been playing with Kucherov and Tyler Johnson and Steven Stamkos. JT Miller obviously certainly has not. So you wonder what version of Miller they're going to get. But overall, I mean, McDonough's just, he's as solid as a rock back there. I mean, he's just a good skater. He gets everything done the right way, makes a good first pass. He's sort of a jack-of-all-trades guy, uh, great leader in the room. So uh, they loaded up. They loaded up where, they, where, where they're strongest at. Um, and, and you look at Tampa and Pittsburgh and two teams that both bolstered uh, what they already bring to the table. So I think the question is, as far as Tampa's third pairing, uh, who gets matched against them in a playoff series against the Penguins, and what does Mike Sullivan do uh, in those games? You know, if a potential Eastern Conference final, how does Tampa decide to defend Pittsburgh line by line? And I think the answer to that question would ultimately be the answer to who wins the series and if, if Mike Sullivan can finagle uh, some good matchups out there, and especially if he can get Sidney Crosby rolling with Jake Gensel again. Um, it might, even though Tampa's upgraded their defense, it still might be a lot to ask from them. Cole attest to Vanek go to Columbus. Uh, Columbus is a team that I've liked all year long. I do like their roster. They've got some flaws, obviously, as most teams do in a cap era. Uh, I like the fact that they added depth today. How good are they? Uh, how good can they be? Well, you know, the Vanek that they got is much different than the Vanek we saw when he was last in the Eastern Conference. Yes. Uh, he's a power play guy, and Columbus's power play is horrible. So uh, he's 30th in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So you, their hope is that Vanek's going to give them something there. Um, I don't know that that'll happen. I, 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 I you know, I don't that Vanek's going to sink you at even strength. I think that Columbus is going to be good to find him a spot where it'll work and where he fits. Um, but I just, I don't know that he's going to have the impact on their power play like they thought he would. Uh, adding Ian Cole is a smart move. Guys won back-to-back cups, knows how to get it done. Very familiar with the Penguins, obviously. Uh, so I, the improvement level for Columbus, I would say, is marginal. And I think if you're ranking what teams in the Metro did, I slot Columbus in behind New Jersey, who picked up Grabner and Maroon, who are two young guys that really fit what they're trying to do there. Uh, and they're not game changers, but they've made the Devils better. And I almost wonder, Adam, if, if the Devils didn't get better than the Blue Jackets did just by the slimmest of margins. Well, they scare me a little bit, uh, Jesse. I mean, the Penguins are, to me, the better team. Uh, they've got great depth. They've got the star power. I don't need to go on and on. Obviously, we know that. But New Jersey can skate. Grabner helps them skate. And then Maroon, I mean, he's different than that. Uh, he doesn't add the skating punch, but he can put the puck in the net and do some things for them. Uh, that's a team that I wouldn't really want to face in the first round if I'm Pittsburgh. Right. You look at what Andy Green's doing this year for them right? on defense. This year. He's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they're one of those teams that looked, and I think Ray Shero is, you know, he's a smart guy, and I think he identified what made the Penguins so good and is trying to emulate it. Uh, and trying to emulate it without Crosby and Malkin can be tough, uh, but I think he's got them on the right track. That is a team that I think the Penguins would beat Adam, but I think it would be closer than a lot of people think, and I think it would be way more annoying than a lot of people yes. think. It's just the ability to fight off that four-check in New Jersey. And I think the Penguins could do it, but it would certainly it'd probably take a little bit more out of them than they wanted in terms of the uh, – uh, you know, overall amount of skating that they're going to have to do. Couldn't agree more. Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joining me here on The Crowley Show. Last couple of things for Jesse. Uh, Boston, this one just trickling in, gets Tommy Wingles from Chicago. 
uh, for a conditional 2019 fifth-round pick. So they get Wingles, and they get Nash, and there's one more now that I'm missing. Oh, yeah, they signed Brian Gianta. Gianta. Yes. Yeah. How good is Boston in your mind? Well, it, it, funny enough, if you look at Boston, and, and Don Lachezen on The Athletic does a fantastic job of breaking down the trades that are made during the deadline and how they impact the team's ability to win the Stanley Cup from a probability standpoint. Boston's moves, in you know, all things considered, actually uh, made them 1% less likely to win the Cup if they had just sure. stood pat and done nothing. Uh, that's not the direction you want to be going in right now. I, I, you know, Rick Nash is not the player he used to be. He's just not. Hell, Spooner um, went the other way, and he's had a better season right. than Nash. Exactly, exactly. And then the Gianta move, you know, they, they, they said they based it off of the strong Olympics that he had, but the United States got absolutely wrecked. Uh, and I don't think he looked particularly good while he was out there. And it's a depth move. I mean, he might not even get over it, uh, get in the lineup over a guy like a Tommy Wingles. But, um, yeah, I, I don't feel like they made enough impact. I don't think they did enough. Um, you know, they're a team that's, that's right now buoyed by unbelievable goaltending. Um, I, I, if you look at Krejci and how he performed alongside Spooner, Spooner gave him a much-needed bump that he wasn't getting from anybody else. The question now is, can Rick Nash give David Krejci that same bump? And if the answer is no, Boston's worse off for it. So that's, in my opinion, that's a risky move for uh, a guy you're probably not going to have all that long and a guy that you got to question whether or not uh, he's got enough gas left in the tank to be able to keep up with some of these teams like Toronto and Tampa Bay. And if Boston goes into a series with them, do they have the speed as a whole? Do they get faster? I don't think so. And I think that's how you have to win out of the Atlantic. Uh, so I, I still think Toronto and uh, Tampa are in much better situation right now. Really good stuff as always, Jesse. Appreciate the time, man. We'll keep reading. Thanks again. Thank you. Oh, that guy's good. He's good. I like his cadence. Makes me feel calm. Also, I've been doing this show for two years, and every time I talk to him, he tells me how good the Penguins are, and they've won two Stanley Cups. So he's a genius. Coming up next, the hottest take of the day, and it is a doozy and other crap where I tell you about all the ways that I embarrassed myself trying to be a real man this week. Last week, I can't talk. I'm tired. It's the Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough. I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. Ah! We're trying to piss people off around us. I guarantee you that worked just there. This is a bed that was created by KDO. We have named her the first ever official grand mistress of beats and funk for the Crowley Show. I would like to thank everyone who applied. Uh, it was tough to narrow it down, but uh, we did, in fact, hire Katie. Katie, congratulations. I think it was so unexpected that your microphone is not on. Is it on? Yes, it's on now. Thank you so much. Um, no problem. Yeah, this is what a rush. Well, you really earned it is what it was. I appreciate that. You earned it. Okay. And I'm proud of you. Good job, Katie. I'm proud too. This is this is this is quite a day. Wow, what a Monday! What yeah. a way to start the week. Your knowledge of music is is unparalleled. I've you know if I had a nickel, honestly. Yeah. But... We used to have Joe. Joe's good at music. Tom's bad at everything. <laughs> Kellen's in now for Tom. Uh, I feel bad for Kellen that I didn't 
say that we were going to have Katie on this segment, and then the microphone was not on when she turned it on, and I will take full responsibility for that. It is not your fault, Kellen. Not your fault. It's, Tom's going to be gone this week. Can I blame Kellen? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm a friend of Kellen's, though. We're buddies now. Just if you could refer to me from here on out as Your Excellency, I... Um... No, you're... It w- we'd be more likely to refer to you as our mistress. Grand mistress. That I'm not okay well, with. Well, if we're shortening it... Well, it's of Beats and Funk. I mean, it's a long title. Yeah. yeah. Grand mistress. Grand mistress right. of Beats and Funk, mother of dragons, first of her name, <laughs> queen of the Andals and the first men. <laughs> it is now time. Congratulations again to Katie Hope for the hottest take of the day. Ready, Joe? It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. <laughs> Dickie V acts like his kid got shot. That was really a poor, poor phrase. I, I did not did not mean to say what I just said. Dickie V on Twitter is acting like his puppy got run over by a car. Dickie V is all kinds of upset. Oh my god! I can't do a good Dickie V. Joe probably could. Actually, that's Tom's best impression. He's is so, Dickie V? Oh, he's so mad that this is happening right now. Son of a bitch. Yep. Dickie V's all upset because the sanctity now of college basketball is ruined, and all these coaches are cheaters. Now, first of all, we had a great freaking idea. They were all cheaters to begin with. They're skiing. We know college athletics... There's a lot of back-channel BS going on. We've known this for a long time. So for him to pretend like he doesn't know, number one is BS. But number two, now you've got a problem with the morality of college sports? Now? Now it's a problem. You've heard this topic come up time and time and time again on the show, and I just dust it off, and it's always ready to rock. It's evergreen, as far as I'm concerned. There's arbitrary morality when it comes to collegiate athletics. You see, not paying athletes and allowing these college kids to make millions of dollars for adults, that to me is corrupt. That to me is immoral. That to me is disturbing. That's what I get angry about. Now, I do turn my cheek and ignore that immorality because... Well, I love college athletics. And I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer fan. They're going to be Texas Tech tonight. I root very hard for my school. And I turn my head to that. But I also turn my head to the rest of the stuff then. I don't feel like you can get angry about the cheating. I don't feel like you can get angry about how that is immoral when everything else about collegiate sports is immoral. I don't think you can pick and choose that way. It's arbitrary. It's you being mad about what you want to get mad about. It's you being mad about cheating when you're not mad about what amounts to almost child labor. Indentured servitude. You don't get mad about that. Actually, no, indentured servants, they actually got paid. You don't get mad about that. You get mad about the cheating scandal. Oh, that's crossing the line. No, what's crossing the line is the fact that these kids make millions of dollars for the university and they don't get compensated near enough for it. And then they pass off the education as if it actually means something. Well, the college education gets paid for. Remember Josh Rosen? He talked about he wasn't even able to take the classes he wanted to take. Josh Rosen wasn't able to take difficult classes because it interfered with football and his job and other worldly life things that you got to do. So, 
It's not a great education. That's what they pass off as payment. And then when stuff like this goes on, or Hugh Freeze texts a hooker, we pretend like that's the worst thing in the world. Rick Pitino gets women who are going to sleep with these athletes to go to a house so that he can get them to come in. And we act as if that's the worst thing in the world, not what's been going on the entire time. It's arbitrary morality. I don't get mad about any of it because I love college sports. But if you're going to get mad about one, you have to get mad about the other. I don't like that these kids don't get paid, but I'm as guilty as anyone else is wa- for watching it. But you can't pick one to get mad about this vociferously and totally ignore the other. At least as far as I'm concerned. Dickie V. I'm so sad, baby! I'm so upset the college basketball's ruined, baby! Bro, it's always been corrupt. Just corrupt differently than the way that you're acknowledging right now. That is the hottest take of the day. I got it. That was the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. Randy Slack just tweeted at me and KDO. At underscore Adam Crowley on Twitter. At yo KDO on Twitter. Miss you guys. Miss you too, man. Miss you too. It's time for other crap. Woo! Other crap. I'm such a skilled actor that whenever I fake cry, I actually start to real cry. So one day, I'm going to be a big deal. And in fact, we're going to bring this up on the show tomorrow. Brian's going to lose his mind about this. That Netflix show that we were all obsessed with. That's name is now escaping me at the worst possible time. About the FBI. Not shameless. That's not about the FBI. Get out of here with that, Kellen! What kind of contribution is that, Kellen? Mindhunter. Thank you, Katie. Mindhunter? They're casting in Pittsburgh. So I got to be a part of it. Brian's got to be a part of it. Brian, Mindhunter? Is casting in Pittsburgh. He's not in here. I've I've handled this I've handled this last segment fairly well, but the last two minutes have been poor. I forgot what Mindhunter was called. Then Brian was in the other room. I was trying to talk to him. Brian, you know Mindhunter's casting? Are they really? In Pittsburgh. Oh wow. There's a casting call. We we're need all, to do this. We're all gonna do it. Oh, I oh I'd love to be like a victim. We're gonna talk off the air, but we're doing it. Okay, we're in. Bam. Woo! Other crap. Woo! Other crap. Redoing your kitchen is tough. Tiling is a bitch. My forearms are all tired. My hands ache. And I only tiled the middle portion of our wall for our backsplash. My father-in-law and my dad and my mother-in-law and my wife did more probably than me, each of them. I can only imagine how they feel. Then, yes, they were grouting. Which is a painful process because you're you're trying to hold things up in different directions. My one contribution to tiling, my father-in-law was using the wet saw to cut each of the pieces precisely. And my God, what a pain in the ass that is! And he handed me one to put in, and I dropped it, broken half. I'm not a real man. I can't do all the things that I wish I can. I know how to do them now, but execution—that's the problem. Woo! Other crap. I'm going to get smacked for this take 
But I'm putting it out there anyhow. I can't be afraid. I just got to go with my gut. Mike Lewis, that Duquesne kid that took food to a woman who was living in her car. Do you really have to film it, bro? Do you really have to be that guy? It was awesome that he did it. He brought her pizza. He brought her wings. Fed her all this food. Why'd you film it? Did you want to be that guy? Is that what it was? I'd rather the good thing happen and you keep filming it. I'd rather that be the case. That sounded dirty. I'd rather you keep delivering food to homeless women. But when you film it, to me, it becomes less about the actual nice act and more about you filming it. See, people don't know Adam Crowley as the radio host who hands apples to the people under the Fort Duquesne Bridge. But Adam Crowley's the dude who hands apples to poor people, homeless people under the Fort Duquesne Bridge. Hell yeah, I do. Katie's looking at me, no way, she's saying. I've made sandwiches for the homeless at my church. You don't hear me talking about that. You don't hear me talking about what a great guy I am. How many people think I'm a nice guy? How many nice things that I do? I used to volunteer and pick up garbage. You never hear me talking about it. On the side of the highway? That one was court-ordered. And finally... Woo! Other crap. I'm going to leave you with this one, Pit fans. The Penguins scored six goals on Friday. Pitt had seven points in the first half against Virginia. I've never seen that before. FYI, for your information, West Virginia, they beat Virginia because they're the best Virginia. Pitt, they scored seven points and a half. Kevin Stallings. I said he's got to stick around one more year because he just don't want to can the guy. I think I'm wrong on that one. Tomorrow on the show, Vince Cominal for an hour 20. Will we see Daniel Broussard? If he's in town, we'll have him on the show. Oh, it's a crowd show.